0: Mm. Uh. It turns out Telling, talking basketball from the barber shops. We was hoopin' on the block. Then we all grew up and they still shootin' on the block. When it was all screwed up, all we needed was a rock and a rim. Wasn't askin' for a lot. No net, no gym, just a park, a place we can all go. Welcome to the Lavarsity Ball Show. Welcome to the Lavarsity Ball Show. Varsity Ball Show. Today is Tuesday, February 16th. We are now in our third week of Black History Month. So I want to start off the show with giving you guys, of course, some NBA Black History facts. So on this day in 2003, I think it's only right that I start off with my, you know, New York Knicks. Alan Houston scored 53 points on the Los Angeles Lakers. For some reason, I love when, you know, we have... Accolades over the Lakers, you know, a championship team like that or the Celtics. It makes me feel good. Also, on this day, February 16th, 1988, Dominique Wilkins of the Atlanta Hawks scored 51 on the Sacramento Kings head top. Uh, Oh, let's get back. We got some more. We got some more New York Knicks out here. Shout out Bernard King. Because on this day in 1985, he scored 55 points on a New Jersey at the time they were the New Jersey. Nets. Let's see if I could come. Let me see if I could find other teams. Let's okay. I'll give the Lakers some love. Shout out to Elgin Baylor of the Los Angeles Lakers because on this day in 1961, he scored 57 on the Detroit Pistons. So, that being said, let's get into the show. On today's episode, I want to talk about a few things going on around the NBA. Firstly, I want to talk about Anthony Davis and his Achilles injury, which I don't want to make it sound like it's super dramatic right now, but he he is suffering right now from a, a minor, from what it seems like a minor Achilles injury that can turn major if he doesn't really, you know, handle that the right way. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond being on a trade block and where they might end up or where I would probably want to see them go. I also want to talk about, of course, if you guys have been tuning into the last few episodes, we're going to be talking about the top five small forwards in the NBA uh, last week, I did the top five power forwards. The week before that, I did the top five centers. So on this episode, I want to talk about you know who I think are the top five small forwards in the NBA right now. And I know a, a few of my good friends are listening to the episode and really can't wait to see what this list is going to be like today. So stay tuned for that. And last but not least, of course, we got to talk about my lovely, lovely New York Knicks team on the Knicks of Dimes Nixon Dines segment. So, let's get right into it. Well, actually, before we actually get into it, I want to give myself a shout out for reaching my 10 episode mark. Pretty big deal for myself. Anybody that does podcasts knows that, you know, getting to 10 episodes is a, is a little mi- milestone, so shout out to myself. So, it's a pretty special, you know, episode for me. So, yeah, man, let's get into it. Anthony Davis. If you guys do not know Anthony Davis recently, I mean, I don't know if it was recent, because he's been, apparently he's been dealing with this Achilles uh, injury since they were in the bubble, and it's kind of just been lingering, but now it's it seemed to have to have been tweaked a little more, and it was, you know, very visible, I guess, in the last game they played, and I was looking at some of the, the highlights of it, or not necessarily highlights, but I was looking at some of the video from that game, and it really looked like he was in pain, And it scared me because it made me think of Kevin Durant and, you know, him having to sit out a a season and and some change because of an Achilles injury. I hate when any player, you know, suffers an injury, especially, you know, the all-star players in the NBA, the superstar players in the NBA. So, yeah, I wanted to talk about that a little bit and I guess talk about what that means for the Lakers, what it means for LeBron, what it means for the rest of the NBA, teams like the Brooklyn Nets and the Los Angeles Clippers. So, the first, we could start off with the Lakers. What does this mean for the Lakers now that Anthony Davis is probably going to be sitting out, I would say, you know, give or take a month if they really want to be safe about his Achilles injury? Um, and I honestly don't even really know how, you know, severe it is. So, if it were up to me, I would, I would literally make him sit down until maybe a few weeks before playoffs because I want to make sure that he's 100% healthy, but I'm no doctor. Um, so yeah what does it mean for the Lakers man right now um the Lakers are sitting at I think the top two top three spot in that in the NBA Western Conference for some reason I didn't I didn't pull this up I usually have um, the standings pulled up but yeah right now the Lakers I'm pretty sure are sitting at the top two or top three spot once it loads I'll I'll share with you guys and I feel like they have enough especially when you got a guy like LeBron to maintain their spot. Um but I think that losing a guy like Anthony Davis, of course, you already know, like losing a guy like Anthony Davis is gonna be critical for them. And they may they may even lose um lose their spot, right? But at the end of the day, I think when you got a guy like LeBron on your team, you got a guy like Anthony Davis on your team, I don't think it really matters what you're standing, like where you're standing. Yeah, I'm looking it up now. So the Lakers are sitting at the number two spot right now. Right behind the Utah Jazz and with the Los Angeles Clippers right behind them with like literally a half a game behind them. So I think the Lakers can maintain a spot, but it's going to be very difficult, especially with teams like the Clippers bowling right now, especially with teams like Phoenix on fire right now with with six games straight. So they could lose their spot, but I don't think in reality, like when the Lakers, who are they really afraid to play, you know, when they're healthy in the playoffs, right? If they, if they were to stop right now, if the playoffs were to start today at the number two spot, they would be playing Denver, which in reality, if the rever- if the roles were reversed and LeBron and the Lakers were in seventh and Denver was in two, it wouldn't make much of a difference, right? So I think in regards to that, the Lakers are going to be fine. I think they're going to definitely lose a few games. You know, you're, you're missing piece. You're missing uh, Anthony Davis, you know, who's a potential defensive player of the year when healthy, uh, obviously. Uh, a threat every night to score from all three levels. So, you know, it's going to be a huge loss for them, but I think that's the smartest thing for them to do is really sit them out for as long as they can. And I had a feeling this would kind of, you know, linger on. They would have a few injuries because they just came from the bubble and they just finished playing and they kind of got right back into it. So we kind of had an idea that, you know, injuries may have been something that the Lakers were going to have to deal with. It sucks that, you know, it happened to AD. And luckily, they're, they're getting ahead of it rather than, you know, before it, it gets extremely severe. So what does this mean for LeBron, man? LeBron right now is currently playing like an MVP. He's in the MVP conversation, as he's always been. So I think this just means that LeBron is going to continue playing like an MVP. But I'm just kind of nervous because we, we love to believe at this point that LeBron is Superman. Like, he's indestructible. Extremely healthy. He's been this way most of it, mo- pretty much his whole career. So, you know, it's easy for us to say he can handle it, but at the same time, LeBron is without a doubt getting older, right? And we just don't want to, we don't want to kind of expedite LeBron's career in any way by putting too much pressure on him. I, I personally want to see LeBron play for the next, you know, six, seven years if possible. I want to see him play into his forties if he can. You know, on some Tom Brady-ish. I'm going to start cursing on the show a little bit, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I really want to see LeBron play for as long as possible. So, I don't think he should, like, you know, add on an extra any extra minutes or anything like that. I just think guys like Montrez need to step up. Guys like Kyle Kuzma need to step up. And that's just what needs to happen for the Lakers to continue to prosper like they've been doing this season. Uh what does this mean for teams like the Clippers and the Brooklyn Nets? I think this is huge for them. Uh obviously, you know, you never want to see a player go down. Like I said, I hope he I hope Anthony Davis gets well and gets healthy cuz you know, we love to see the best of the best compete and you know, be healthy. But if Anthony Davis is not healthy, this is a big plus for the Clippers and the Nets because That's the guy that they would have had. That's the guy that would have gave them issues if, you know, if you would have seen them in the playoffs. If the Lakers see the Clippers in the playoffs, Anthony Davis is going to be the X factor in in who wins the series. I think if, you know, if the Lakers were to win, I think it would be because Anthony Davis was just unstoppable. Because at this point, even though LeBron is MVP, I think guys like Kawhi and Paul George would have been able to you know, handle LeBron, so to speak, in a way, if you could even handle LeBron. Um, and a team like Brooklyn, I think Kevin Durant could hold his own against LeBron. I've been saying that since the jump. So, you know, a guy like Anthony Davis is where they were going to really have the issue. So I think that gives them a huge edge. So, like I said, I hope Anthony Davis comes back healthy because I would hate for this to be one of those seasons where, you know, the, the Lakers lose against the Clippers. And it was just like, well, Anthony Davis wasn't there, so it doesn't count. Um, or or Brooklyn or any team that the Lakers end up playing or, you know, if they end up being successfully, successful enough to make it to the finals. So, yeah, man, let's get into Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. Both of these guys are on the trade block. Both of these guys coincidentally were on the same team not too long ago in Detroit. And they uh, Blake is obviously still in Detroit right now, but he's going to be sitting out until they find a trade destination for him as well as Andre Drummond, I believe. They both are in a kind of similar situations. Now, there's a few places. I know that Toronto is one of the places that came up for Anthony, for Andre Drummond as a spot that he can go to, and I think, honestly, that would be perfect right now because I haven't really been paying much attention to Toronto Raptors basketball, but uh, I know that they started off kind of slow. They have picked it up, obviously. They're, they're sitting at the 8th spot right now, 12-15, and 15. I'm not necessarily sure who their center is. I know that they had Marcus Sewell, and he, you know, he went to the Lakers. Pascal Siakam is playing at the power forward, I believe. So their center, yeah, they don't even really. Oh, they got Aaron Baines and Chris Boucher, but I don't think they really have, you know, a presence like that yet, or well, anymore in the in the paint. So Andre Drummond going to Toronto would be a perfect fit for them. I know a few people. Mentioned on Twitter that Andre Drummond was interested in going to the Knicks, and of course he's interested in going to the Knicks. I'm pretty sure a lot of players that weren't interested in going to the Knicks before are interested in coming to us now, because we look pretty lit. I can't, I can't even lie, we're pretty solid right now. But I'll pass on to Andre Drummond, uh, you know, and I, I think I can speak for a lot of Knicks fans in saying that we're good with Mitch and Nerlens Noel right now. Now, obviously, Mitch is. You know, he just suffered an injury out, which I'll get into in the Nixon Dimes segment, but he'll be back soon. We'll, we'll be good. We don't, we don't need Andre Drummond right now, but I do think that a team like Toronto, again, would really benefit from getting a player like that. I'm trying to think another team that could possibly benefit from getting him like a, a center like that is Brooklyn. I know that Brooklyn came up in the conversation for Andre Drummond, and DeAndre Jordan is cool, but Losing Jared Allen was huge. I think DeAndre Jordan would be, would be great as a starter or coming off the bench. You know, if you want to really add some depth, I know, depth. I know that Brooklyn just added um, a defender. I can't think of his name right now. Andre Roberson, if I'm not mistaken. I think they just added him. So they're definitely starting to add more depth. They got Iman Shumper for defense. So they're starting to build that championship team, man. And Andre Drummond, I think, would, you know, put them, solidify that spot for them. So we'll see. A guy like Blake Griffin as well, I think, you know, speaking of Brooklyn, I think would really fit because you could have, but then again, I know that, you know, guys like Mike D'Antoni, they want to play that small ball, but if they really wanted to add some, some, you know, solid front court depth, you could, you know, bring the Lob City reunion back with Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan and make KD play his natural position as a small forward again, that could work. You know, at this point, I don't think Blake is the, you know, number one, two or three option, especially on a Brooklyn team. So he could be a great playmaker. You know, he could stretch the flow a little bit now and he can, you know, be a point forward at some time. So he could play with maybe James Harden when Kevin Durant and Kyrie are out. Who knows? Another team that could probably use uh, Blake Griffin. I'm thinking, hmm, if he wanted to go back west, I think that could work for them, too. Uh, maybe a Denver Denver could probably use him. Paul Millsap is solid. Uh, He's definitely... Actually, I don't even know the, the difference in age between Paul Millsap and Blake Griffin. But I think a Blake Griffin may, may be able to fit if they were willing to go that route. But I know they got Michael Porter Jr. So who knows? But yeah, man. I saw that Draymond was talking about the whole uh, trade thing between NBA teams and players and the double standards behind that. I really wish I could get more into it because he was talking about Andre Drummond. And just the respect that the lack of respect that players have versus the teams and, and how they operate. And I thought that dreamline was spitting facts, man, as always. And I really wanted to expound on that. But since I don't really have all the data in front of me, I won't do that. But let's get into the to the juicy. Well, besides the Knicks and Dimes segment, let's get into the juicy part of the show. The top five small forwards in the NBA as it stands today, according to the varsity. Um, I don't even want to waste any time. You know, I don't want to talk too much about it. Let's just get right into it. At the number five spot, the number five, in my opinion, top, I mean, the number five small forward in the NBA right now is none other than Jimmy Butler. Jimmy obviously just came off his finals run. Obviously they lost to the Lakers, but I think that my guy outdid himself. Currently averaging 19 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists on 43% field goal percentage. Horrible 3-point shooting percentage, by the way. 15%, 84% free throw shooter, right? But the thing about Jimmy Butler, and even though his shooting is horrible, and I, anyone who knows me and knows my bad, I like shooters. I like players that can shoot. If you can't shoot, you're a liability to me. But Jimmy Butler is a winner. His impact on winning puts him in that conversation easily. Um, There's a a lot of other guys that, you know, could be in that conversation. And and mind you, for the next few episodes, between the small forwards and the shooting guards, really, it's going to be really tough to rank because so many of the players that play small forward or play shooting guard, they're so interchangeable nowadays, it's really hard to, you know, decide. Or like pinpoint where they should be in you know in turn in this conversation. You know you got guys like a Paul George that could have been in this conversation, but most of the season I believe he's been playing as shooting guard. So if you're looking for Paul George in this conversation, he's not going to be in this conversation. So don't you know crucify me for not having him in my top five. Matter of fact, I haven't even made my list for the sh- shooting guard yet, so I don't even know if he made that list. But we'll get to that next week. But anyway, Jimmy Butler. Looking at his Uh, player efficiency rating he's sitting at number two behind Kawhi Leonard right now you know in efficiency and I know he missed a few games because of injury but we all can see the difference that Jimmy makes on the court defensively he's a problem he's always been a two-way player and his impact on winning puts him in the top five for me now moving on to number four recently right like as I was reviewing for this episode I had somebody at number four and I literally had to change him out because, you know, I was doing my reviews and I'm like, eh, he could be number four, but I'm gonna have to move him to number six in my, and now my number four spot goes to Chris Middleton of the Milwaukee Bucks. Now he's another guy that I think naturally he was a shooting guard coming in, but now he plays more of the three position. So I had to put uh, Middleton in the conversation because he's another guy that, His impact on winning is crazy. He's a 50-40-90 guy. You know, he plays, he he reminds me of like a, you know, uh, a poor man's Kawhi Leonard. The way he is super mechanical with his game. Nothing too flashy. He just gets it done. Very efficient. And again, his impact on winning. You know, he's on a winning team right now. Um, Milwaukee's sitting comfortable at the number two spot in the East with 16 wins, 11 losses. And, you know, as much as Giannis gets most of the credit, and I never really cared much for Middleton because his game was so simple, he is a winner, and, you know, there's no denying it. And he's, like I said, super efficient, and he plays both both sides of the ball. So that's who I got right now at my number four spot. And if you're wondering, matter of fact, I'll tell you after I finish this list, who was at the number four spot before I changed it to Chris Middleton, because Chris Middleton was sitting at the number six spot. But anyway... Going in at number three, we have Boston Celtic, Jason Tatum. Yes, Jason Tatum, man. He's coming to league, killing, and he's only gotten better every season. He's showing that he's a star, clearly. Um, right now, Boston is sitting at the number four spot, but, and they're sitting at number four spot with, you know, 13 wins, 13 losses. But I've actually watched, Jason Tatum is one of the players that I actually watch a lot of his games, and it speaks for itself, you know what I'm saying, He he's going to continue to get better, his shooting is amazing, he's shooting 40% from the three-point line right now, his field goal percentage is at 45, but that's because, you know, some of his shot selection is, is very difficult, but he makes a lot of it too, so it looks really good, so I got Jason Tatum, he's averaging 25 points right now, seven rebounds, 4.5 assists, and yeah, let's see. His as per um his player efficiency rating is he's in the fifth spot right now with you know a twenty one point eighteen, and I and for most people that probably are not paying attention to the player efficiency rating, I'm not much either. But I understand that they basically total up you know all the different things that go into the game, which is like your points, your rebounds, your assists, and your turnovers and all that stuff, and they come up with one solid number. To show like how you're affecting the game, and right now he's sitting at the number fifth spot in that. So, I got Jason Tatum at number three. Coming in at numero dos, I got the claw, Kawhi Leonard, at number two, averaging twenty six points right now, twenty six point seven actually, basically six rebounds and five assists obviously he's super efficient with 51% field goal percentage, 38% three point percentage and 87% free throw percentage. Now, you know, his player efficiency, that's his player um, efficiency rating, that's a whole nother level. He's number 1 right now in the NBA in the player efficiency at 27.67. And we already know that Kawhi is a winner. I think he may be on par if I got to look up the stat for it, but he's probably one of the most winning players in NBA history if I'm not mistaken. I gotta find the details on that, but I'm pretty sure I've heard that multiple times in you know on different from different sources. So I'll look into that, but we already know what Kawhi can do. He's a champion. He, you know, when he's on the floor, he you could feel his effect defensively, offensively, everything. He leads his team, you know, even though I think he could be more of a vocal leader, he's shown to be that guy. Uh I know that there was a lot of smoke for the Clippers last season and you know, for them falling apart. But when it comes down to it, I think that nobody could deny that Kawhi is the number two guy. If like uh, I know we mentioned Kevin Durant as a power forward on last episode, and if Kevin Durant was you know in this conversation, then I think that Kevin Durant would be at number two, and Kawhi will move then to number three. But since that's the, that's the case, I have Kawhi at number two. Now I think it's obvious who number one is, right? I think it's pretty obvious. With the number one spot, still, it's been this way for a long, long time now. The number one small forward in the NBA is still LeBron James. Uh, This guy is, what, 36 years old? Really? 36 years old, still dominating. Come on, man, he's averaging 25 points, which is... Is less than we're used to from LeBron, but those are still like at 36, you still averaging 25 points. Stop playing with the guy, eight rebounds, eight assists, still 49%, basically 50% field goal percentage. Shooting 38% from the three point line this season, 71% from the free throw line. Now, I think we don't really need to sit here and harp on how special LeBron is or how good LeBron is or any of that stuff. We know what the deal is. LeBron is still the number one player in the NBA. He's improved in every in every way. Even though, you know, he's not averaging as much points. You could see it. Like basketball heads could see that. Like LeBron, first of all, he's always had the IQ. But at this level, he's like mastered IQ, if that makes sense. Like he's just got everything that he needs in the bag. He can shoot, he's shooting it a lot better now. You know, he's hitting logo shots now, doing whatever he wants on the court. He's obviously still making plays for his team, making everyone around him better, and most likely going to lead his team back to the finals in my prediction. That's what I've been predicting all season, we'll see what happens with Anthony Davis. But as long as you got LeBron, man, you can make something happen, whoever's on the court with him. So that's that. LeBron is still that guy. So, oh yeah, so I I did say I was going to mention who was at the number four spot before I put Chris Middleton and I originally had Brandon Ingram. You know, I think that Brandon Ingram is playing great basketball. He was playing great basketball last season, came into the season doing his thing. So honorable mention goes to Brandon Ingram. Let me see. Was there anybody else that could have got an honorable mention? Uh, pro- oh, actually, another one that could have got an honorable mention is Gordon Haywood. Even though he's not top five to me, he's really been showing out in Charlotte. You know, a lot of people were shocked that he got that crazy deal. He's shown why he deserved it. You know, he was an all star before he went to Boston and he had that crazy injury. And, you know, I'm happy for him. So, definitely honorable mention to Gordon Haywood. But with that being said, let's get into the final segment of the show the Nixon Dimes segment, which I'm really, really, really excited about this one because, you know, like I said, this is the third episode in a row that I've done on Tuesday and I usually re- record on Monday. So, we'll see how it goes. We'll see. As long as I'm putting out an episode every week. At this point, I don't really mind as long as, you know, we keep putting out this content and we keep sharing this conversation. But anyway, yesterday, Julius Randle scored 44 points on these guys, man, on the Atlanta Hawks. Scored 44 points and and I don't remember the rest of it, but I just know that we won and Julius Randle better be an all-star this season. Just know if he's not. Just look forward to that episode, that next episode, because I'm definitely going to be going off. Julius Randle's an all-star. I can't... We did this, like, last week. I can't name four power forwards, and especially at this point, Anthony Davis is going to be sidelined for a little bit. I can't name, you know, four power forwards in NBA better than Julius Randle. I think I could barely, barely name three, you know. And, I you know, I mentioned the guys that were ahead of him on the last episode, but he could really go head-to-head with any of those guys right now, the way he's playing. He's shooting 40% from the three-point line, y'all. He's averaging 23 points, 11 rebounds. I was looking at a stat today that says he's shooting a better three-point percentage than Dame Lillard right now. Averaging more points than Anthony Davis right now. And more rebounds than the head guy, MVP, Joel Embiid. They need to put some respect on my guy's name. And I think it's safe to say that New York is back you know, I was really hesitant to say it. I might have said it bef- before in an episode or two, but New York is definitely back, y'all. I think, like, I keep on saying it. Tom Thibodeau was the perfect guy. The fact that he was the assistant coach for Jeff Van Gundy, you know, in the, you know, when the Knicks were actually popping in the '90s, late '90s, and the fact that he's back and he's doing, he's bringing back that culture, the defensive culture, the grit, the team basketball. I'm so happy with the team right now. We're currently sitting at the sixth spot in the NBA in the Eastern Conference, the sixth spot. When's the last time the Knicks were really doing that? We're at 14 and 15, and we gotta play Orlando tomorrow. Come on, y'all! I really think we're gonna win that game. I hope we win that game so we can get back to 500. And mind you, my man Mitch Robinson is out right now, so we really need the you know other guys to step up, which Nerlens Noel did last night. You know, came in the game, got into a little foul trouble, and still managed to get the defensive plays we needed in the fourth quarter to win that game. But before I continue, I just wanted to make sure I apologize. Anyone who knows me knows that I I'm willing to admit when I'm wrong. I'm I'm willing to say I'm sorry when I, you know, when I feel like I might have been bugging out. And I wanna to apologize to Alfred Payton, man. I know he's I know he's listening to this episode somewhere, you know, probably before practice or or after practice. So I wanna to apologize to Alfred Payton because as much as I really wanted well I mean as much as I want another point guard, Alfred Payton has stepped up this season a lot of times. He's had his bad games, but in the last week or so the last week or so, he's really been doing his thing. Even though he really can't shoot, he's been playing to his strengths, which I can't, you know, I can't hate on that. He's stepped up to the plate as much as people have been hating on him. He's boiled out, and I love guys like that. I can go from guys like Colin Sexton, you know, even guys like Kyle Lowry, guys that, you know, people kind of doubted, and it was like, I don't care. I'm still going to ball. And they really showed up. So shout out to Alfred Payton, man. I still think that, you know, we need another point guard. But for the meantime, keep doing what you're doing. I I really, I really like what you're doing, and I like what Tom Thibodeau is doing with. Derrick Rose and IQ coming off the bench. I initially thought that IQ was going to be a starter, but it's starting to look like he's, that six-man role is fit for him. I'm still not sold that he's going to be our point guard for the future. Maybe he will be, but I'm still not sold on it. I really like him coming off the bench and his energy. So for now, I really enjoy seeing Derrick Rose and, and IQ coming off the bench. By the way, I don't know if I've said it on the last episode, but having Derek Rose on the team, I really hope he retires a New York Knick, man. Derrick Rose has always been one of my favorite favorite players, and seeing him ball out in New York again, it just make, it brings me so much joy. So, I'm really happy with how everything is going right now. We got to make Julius Randle an All Star. He's another one that showed out. Like you know, obviously people were disappointed that we didn't get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, you know, a few off seasons ago, and we got Julius Randle. And initially, I wasn't too excited because obviously we wanted Kevin Durant or Kyrie, but I know that Julius Randle could ball. He was in New Orleans at the time doing his thing. So I knew he could ball. I didn't, I wasn't sure he was going to be our um, number one option. And he even said it himself. Last season, he kind of disappointed. But he has really turned it around. Thank you, Tom Thibodeau. Thank you, Kenny Payne and all those guys. But he's balling out, working hard for us. And at this point, he's going to be our next all-star since Carmelo. And I don't count uh, Chris Pozingas because whatever. He didn't even play, even though he got selected. So... Whatever. Julius Randle's our guy, man. And, you know, we have a team option on him next season. So I hope we pick that up. You know, we can continue to build with him, build with RJ, and build with the guys that we got. I love it. I love how the team is moving right now. And I really think we can solidify our playoffs. We're almost halfway through the season, and we're sitting almost at 500. They need to start putting some respect on our name, y'all. They need to start putting some respect on our name. But with that being said... I think that's it for this episode, y'all. Thank you all for rocking with me. Shout out to everybody that's been rocking since episode one. We're now 10 episodes in. So shout out to everybody listening. And until next time, y'all.